0: What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, I sat down with a real estate investor who is a master at raising capital. He has a newsletter that goes out to over 20,000 people. He's raised over nine figures of capital in the last decade and a half. He also teaches people how to do it. Welcome to the show, Marcin Drozd. Welcome to the show today, Marcin. How are you doing?
1: Excellent, thanks for having me, sir.
0: Thank you for being on the show. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about as it pertains in particular to raising capital uh, on real estate deals. I know a lot of people get a deal or um, you know, they're, they, they find one that they think would be good, and then they're like, oh my gosh, I need this much of a loan, this much equity, right? And it can be intimidating. You've broken through that barrier, that that mindset, uh, if you will. But uh, before we jump into how you've done that, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background on who you are?
1: Sure. Thanks for, again, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Real uh, high level on me. I started out in uh, private equities about 16 years ago. I got hired by a firm out west, uh, to work on larger projects, multi-family, 2, 3, 400 unit uh, acquisitions. And at the time, I was just finishing uh, college and buying properties, you know, it is flipping houses, you know, I'm cutting my own grass, I'm shoveling my own snow. Obviously, you could tell us from from up north here. And, uh, you know, it. it uh, I, I had this really cool opportunity to work with guys that were buying 2, 3, 400 units at a time. And, you know, I took it, uh, moved across the country and immediately just... You know, I didn't even drink from a fire hose. I just swallowed the whole thing. <laughs> it, just, 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 it was a different game altogether. Now, when, when we started buying those big projects, you know, you're not raising a couple hundred grand. You're raising millions or tens of millions of dollars at a time. So, you know, you immediately learn the, the legal, the structure, mm. the, uh, all the different nuances of the larger transactions. And I'm there in my early 20s doing this stuff. So it was, uh, it was fantastic. Did that for a few years. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, got right into the business during the last great recession when, you know, things, you couldn't give buildings away. We're going in there all cash, buying these large complexes. Uh, did that for a few years, then broke out on my own, started an eight-figure equity fund uh, in 2011, 20, 2011 to 2013. We, we raised a fair bit of money, and we went back to Arizona, bought up things for cash, basically. You could buy strip malls. You could buy apartment buildings. If you had money, you could buy whatever you wanted, golf courses, anything. And uh, did that for a few years. Uh, last few years, we've been buying in Tennessee. Uh, now we're really bullish on Texas and Florida. And, you know, over that time when COVID hit, like probably yourself, I'm sitting at home and my wife's just like, you got to go do something. You're driving me nuts. And uh, I started doing the teaching thing around teaching people how to structure their own deals, how to raise capital. And, you know, two years later, that's kind of turned into its own thing. So here we are.
0: How, how was it, you know, kind of breaking away from private equity and, you know, going out into capital raising for deals on of your own? Were you at all intimidated by that?
1: <laughs> you know what? I think it was good that I underestimated the amount of work that was required because I probably wouldn't have had the, the courage to break out on my own to do it. You know, in your early 20s, or even in your 20s, you may have this bulletproof mentality. I certainly had it. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? I could always go back and, you know, get back into the space if I had to. Uh, I definitely underestimated the amount of systems mm. and support required around, being a great deal guy, or being a great sales guy, or capital raising guy. So for me, the I f- if I'm being completely honest with you, Dan, I fl- initially I fell flat on my face because I, I didn't understand the complexity of all the support systems, the, the, the legal, the nuances. Like, I, I was aware of those things, but I'd always had the luxury of having somebody else to do it, right? So, you know, you break out on your own and immediately it's pretty lonely. So initially it was, it was, it was a tough slug. But what
0: what were the, what were the consequences of, of that, of, you know, underestimating what it, what it, you know, took, like, did you lose out on any deals or (laughs) have a deal go bad because of that or, or was it something you were able to recover from?
1: Oh yeah yeah, I mean, look, i've uh, I've had really good experiences. You know, make you make six, seven figures on a deal. you've got you're doing big deals and and things are good. But as you know, real estate is a really capital intensive business. So I'd find myself on paper making a lot of money and being worth a ton of money. While at the same time in my mid 20s, having to sell my car on a Wednesday for cash to make payroll on Friday, mm. so you, you know it. it and it, it was all part of your early 20s, mid 20s, learning that again. Uh, there's a th- there's a difference between cash accounting, accrual accounting, financials, audited financials, just understanding the business of business, and understanding that that is a. Subplant to the actual business of real estate, which is what we think we're in. Right. But really you're in business. Real estate is just the thing that you put on top. Right. So that was, uh, that was really tough for me early on. If I'm being completely candid with you,
0: what, what do you think most people don't know that they need to know when they get into raising capital for a real estate deal? Hmm.
1: Well, you got to dig your well before you're thirsty. Mm -hmm. And I forget who said that originally, but you got to have those conversations early and often and much, much further ahead than when you actually think you want to pull the trigger on something because the amount of time you spent educating yourself on a deal, on a market, on a city, on, on an asset class, whatever it is, when it becomes obvious to you and you're motivated and ready to pull the trigger, that process you went through, you have to succinctly communicate that to people. And very few people are immediately gonna go, yeah, okay, that makes sense, here's my money. So underestimating how long it takes to get people to see things the way you see them, that that in of itself is a process. Mm. um, Because there is no such thing as a no-brainer in investing. Even for you, when you decided to be a developer or builder or whatever it was, you didn't just, oh yeah, it's a no-brainer. No, you took your time, you went through the process, you made sure you understood. You know where your risks are where you're vulnerable things like this your investors the smart investors my six seven figure investors they have that kind of money because they took a minute to to, to understand it so uh, the biggest thing is really dig your well before you're thirsty bring bring your potential investors along for the ride as you're educating yourself because number one it shows them that you want some feedback and some input and two you're you're engaging them through the process as you're learning the market so that when you're finally ready to do a deal, they've gone on part of that journey with you.
0: What uh, what does that look like for most people? Like how do how do they go out and start establishing the, those relationships and building the kind of rapport they they need to so that when a great deal comes, you know, they feel confident jumping on it
1: yeah well I mean a great starting point is to think about building out a knowledge platform for yourself so you guys have this great podcast some people like to write blogs some people post a lot of information on Facebook Picking a medium that is helpful, that, that you're good at, is a great starting point where your potential investors are. So, for example, you know, you may not want to use Snapchat because your investors probably aren't on Snapchat, <laughs> but your investors are probably on Facebook. They they might be on TikTok nowadays. Who knows? I don't know. My wife's really good at that one. I'm a little bit well, More confused. more
0: more and more people are using that platform, and and it's yep. aging up. You know, these platforms come out and they they are younger to start and then they they kind of age up so
1: yeah yeah no and, and and you're right so i mean picking a medium is really helpful and guys look if you don't want to be social media rah, rah rah that's fine it could be as simple as grabbing your phone and as you're walking a potential property hopping on a facetime for five minutes and showing somebody that you know could help you write a check, say, "Hey, I'm looking at this property. Just wanted to show you around. Let me know what you think." But get, engage them in the process, right? Or if they can't do that, maybe you record a little video, two three minute video as you're walking the property, and that's what you send to mm-hmm. your, you know, to your potential investor. Like little things like this, because guys, people can invest in real estate on the stock market. I've got apps on my phone. I want to buy a REIT. I can buy it in thirty seconds. I can I can get into the game. I can get out of the game. So, so the return itself isn't the only thing that motivates people. People want to invest with people. They want to invest with people they like, they trust, they can relate to, that they're engaged with. They want to feel like they're part of the story. So if you can give them that access, obviously you got to deal with qualified investors, accredited investors, whatever the rules are that you're following, follow them. But ultimately people want to be engaged in what you're doing. And I think that's a, that's a skill set that people overlook until they finally need the cash. And then it gets really awkward really fast because you've built no rapport and now you think this thing's a no-brainer and it's just going to fill up like that.
0: Hey, hold that thought. Do you want to get 100 tips for free from my best-selling real estate book, The Hyper Local, Hyper Fast Real Estate Agent? If you do, go to hyperfasttips.com and you can download 100 of my best tips today. Again, that's hyperfasttips.com. You can download a hundred tips on how to grow your business, get more clients, deliver more value to more people. Go to hyperfasttips.com. Yeah. I, I, I like a lot of what you said there, this idea of, you know, picking platforms and, um, you know putting, putting out content on them and, you know, just engaging with potential investors or investors. Uh, I I think video is great too. I love the idea of, you know, taking them on tours of properties you've finished or thinking about buying. I I think, I think people, you know, they like, they like the video. They like, they like to feel like they're a part of something and and that definitely helps. So are are you using a lot of video in, uh, your communications with your, you know, current or I guess potential investors?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we have a deal we just tied up here in Texas. It's about 120 doors. We're, you know, I'm getting my debt sized right now, but we'll probably end up going to market for about three, four million bucks. And uh, you know, most of it I'm, I'm, I'm confident is our existing investors, but we'll still do the whole video tour, all that stuff. And you're always thinking ahead because what ends up happening is if you have a great following, that's just like the cherry on top for them. But you know, a really simple way to do it, like there's even apps for your phone where you can have most phones have a camera on both sides now, and you can have apps where it films you, In the bottom of the screen, and it films the uh, the outside as the as the big screen, and you can literally take a few minutes and just walk the property and record it. There's your video. You can you can engage people. There's there's so many tools out there. You can you can hire a guy with a drone for two three hundred bucks. Like, you know, you're gonna spend tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars improving or millions of dollars improving the property spending a couple bucks to really engage people is great. And then rather than just sending dry reports, I mean, the written report is great and it's formal and some people expect that, but most people would rather, I don't know about you, Dan, but I'd rather watch a video for three to four minutes right. that has the same information than to read another document. Like, <laughs> And you know, if you have a portal, if you have engagement, these are, these are things you can build towards and it makes it really shareable for people as well, which is the biggest part. I, I like that idea of
0: the app that records what you're looking at and you. I've I've never actually heard of that one. Do you, is it is there a specific one that of, for that that you there, recommend?
1: Yeah, I can I can have I can I can uh, send it to you after. I'm just looking at my. Uh, I I've got a whole bunch of these uh, on my phone, but uh, oh, other no, that's not the one. Uh, we can put it in the show notes. I can send it to you. I don't actually have it with me right now.
0: Interesting. I need to look yeah no we should definitely let the audience know about that because that yeah it just seems like an amazing feature <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think it was like 10 bucks or 20 bucks or something and you could you could probably google a few other options there's there's a ton of these in the app store that that will let you do it uh something else that's that that's really helpful is you can also uh you should i mean this is basic you should have a newsletter you know whether it's monthly or quarterly really simple stuff because it's all about engagement like most people think that oh okay i have a deal on a thursday i've got 30 days to get get the cash okay so who has money and it's like all right but you're starting from from a from a really cold start you don't have a network of people that like that trust you that already know what you're doing so getting people engaged early in the process is probably the most productive thing to do and then the other thing is getting really, so I have something called the easy system. Easy is exclusive, abundance, scarce in your allocation. It's something that we we teach. It is uh, a function. I had one month, this was years ago, when I was closing on three properties and the investor backed out last second. Mm. And I just, because <sighs> I got, you know, a couple of days to close and, and I, I figured it out. I, I got it done. I, I got I got the new capital. But Man, I never wanted to be there again. So I created a process where you can preset those expectations that you know you'll never. Hopefully, if you do it right, you never get caught in in in, in that situation too. How
0: many uh, how many active investors do you have right now in all of your deals?
1: So I, I've I've sourced I've sourced well into nine figures over the last sixteen years on the equity side. Oh, wow. I've sourced yeah. I've sourced a fair bit of debt. So. You know uh, at any given time on a project we might have anywhere from 10 to 50 investors i mean our average ticket is close you know it's in the good six figure range um so we 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 don't have that many active people per deal but the check size is is quite considerable um you know i've had i've had deals where i've had a couple hundred people active uh not active pardon me uh invested like a couple hundred people invested per project or per fund but I mean, it it, it varies. Uh, currently, we have a fund. We'll end up having about a uh, probably about eighty to hundred people. Uh, you know, all accredited investors. We typically only work with the creds, and uh, you know, we do a project by uh, pardon me fund by fund at this point.
0: What uh, what type of deal is that fund for? Can you so give any more my- specifics?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, my, my latest fund, the investment thesis is we're buying buildings as low as fifty units, as big as one hundred and fifty, ish units. Uh, I, I've gone down on the on the unit count because it's been a little frothy on the on the larger deals. There have been people bidding up to three hundred. You know, it's hard to get a pocket listing for three hundred units, is what I'm saying. So, uh, what what what's happening is prices, as you've probably seen, are are getting that even with the interest rates rising the prices are still quite aggressive on the higher end of the market. So my thesis is we're buying buildings. Uh, I love I love Texas, love Florida, Tennessee, South Southeast. And we're looking for buildings that we can buy for a fraction of the replacement cost. Uh, a little bit of mismanagement is nice. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm not looking for full down to the studs renovations, but you know, more of a value add opportunity and uh, like one deal I was looking at, I, I didn't get the bid on this one, but one deal the owner was actually taking all the laundry income as cash. So, you know, uh, it's doing, great for him. He was He's doing not, what? <laughs> well, he was taking all the laundry income as cash. Uh, and it wasn't hitting the bad, the income <laughs> statement. So, you know, it was it was it, it was I don't know twelve grand or fifteen grand a year in quarters, which doesn't <laughs> sound like a lot of money. I mean, that's almost three hundred grand in value. Right. <laughs> So, so when you come down, when you go downstream to the 50 units, to the 100 units, you're still coming across those mom and pop sellers. Um, and it, it, you know, they get what they want out of it, and we still see tremendous opportunity to create, create value there.
0: Hey, hold that thought for a minute. Do you wanna take your real estate business to the next level? If you do, there's no reason to go it alone. Learn from people who've been where you want to go. Carrie and I have sold billions of dollars in real estate. We've netted over seven figures for seven years in a row now, and we wanna see if you would be a good fit to work for us. We don't work with a lot of people, but we wanna give you a chance to get on a free strategy call to see if we can help you get your business to the next level. Go to hyperfastcoach.com and apply for your discovery session today. Again, that's hyperfastcoach.com. Are you are you seeing any changes? I guess in sellers, uh, you know, with with regards to like their willingness to negotiate, or are they typically still getting multiple offers? Like, has anything changed in the last couple months with interest rates rising?
1: So in February, I bid on a building in February and March. I bid on a building in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I was, uh, $20 million was my bid. I think the building was just shy of 150, you unit, know, 160 units. Um, that was great. I think it ended up selling for 23 or 24 if I was to guess, uh, and the best and final, there was almost a dozen people at the table, which mm. was insane. Uh, I'm not seeing wow. that as much anymore, but the sellers are not as, e- they're not eager to lower their prices much on the larger stuff. The smaller stuff, um, like this deal I'm working on right now, we've managed to negotiate a pretty good discount uh, from from what I think uh, what I think it uh, you know could have gone for if it was still earlier in the year. But yeah, the the only people that are selling right now are people that want the cash. Anybody who was kind of flirting with selling because they thought they could still get the prices back in the spring. Um, they're basically telling us, I don't know if it's bluster or if it's legitimate, but they're basically telling us, we don't care that the rates are rising, eat it. So no. uh, at this point, I'm not really seeing it cooling off that much. There's not as many bids, but there's still enough bids for... Like, even if you go on the, uh, the loop net or whatever it is, you're still seeing tons of stuff It says unpriced, 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 unpriced. I mean... I've been at this for a while. I can't remember the last time I saw so much stuff unpriced. They're basically telling us, tell me what you think it's worth.
0: <laughs> right. I think those people though, still have a number in mind and, and they're, oh, yeah. and I think if they don't get that number, they're, they're, they're probably at this point, not willing to, to, to move much. is yeah. kind of my evaluation of the market. I think we're in this position now where buyers want better deals and sellers aren't necessarily willing to give them that. And there, maybe it's kind of a period of standoffishness in some areas, you know, some other areas probably it's still like five, 10 offers. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, yeah, look, I, I, I don't, you know, my crystal ball is as good as anybody else's at this point. Um, Some people are saying the Fed might continue to raise rates. Some people are saying, no, that's it. Come September, they're going to start letting rates go. Some people are saying not only are you going to start letting it go, they're going to start doing the quantitative easing again and putting more money back in the system. (laughs) Uh, You know, who knows, right? But one thing's for sure that there's a lot of guys on the commercial side that are swimming naked right now. They've got a Mm. lot of debt on a lot of dirt and uh if those rents don't move the way they want them to move it's going to be it's going to be painful but on the other end you got a lot of people cashed up so you know it's it's not going to be like 0809 because there was no money in the system back then today there's a lot of people with a lot of dough and i think that's uh i i don't see the market crashing i see it you know maybe a soft landing and again we're generalizing because there's over 300 msa's in the us right, right? so Florida is not going to be the same as Virginia as, as, as Tennessee as Texas as California, but you know I, I the, the craziness that we've had for the last two years, that's not sustainable.
0: Who do you think does well or, or what areas do you think will do well over the next year
1: or so or, or, or longer?
0: And and, 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 is... and where would you stay away from? <laughs>
1: well i can tell you right now uh my bet is still that the south southeast is probably going to be the biggest net winner uh you're seeing a lot of companies moving south uh and you know caterpillar is just moving their head office from uh from from illinois to texas uh you've got a lot of the tech companies moving to the south southeast you've got Mass migration. I I got a friend of mine. He's a mortgage broker out of New York. His office now let him move to to, to Florida. And he's saving, I think, like 30 or 40 grand a year on tax Mm -hmm. just because of the state tax difference. I mean, that's his house payment right there. Just the tax alone. So... (laughs) I think, you know, I, I think you're going to have a lot more people continue to move south. Uh, it, it makes sense. Actually, it's gotten so, so bad in some places like New York that they're actually renting billboards in Florida along the highway trying to convince people to move back north. So, you know, you've got... <laughs> I, yeah, I think I've that's seen that, uh,
0: you know, down in Florida. And and um, the California governor was starting to run ads in Florida as well, too, yep. like, like paid political ads which is kind of weird yep. for, so that you are seeing i
1: that. <laughs> I, I think more people are going to keep going south i mean the taxes they don't have to shovel snow uh wherever people are politically on the spectrum most people would prefer to decide what they do for themselves rather than have the government decide for them and whether you're left or right or in the middle or whatever it is most people given the option they'd rather decide for themselves how to conduct themselves and you know COVID showed us that the southern states are much more like hey mind your business do yeah. things however you think are are better whereas the northern states and obviously the western states have been more like no no here's how to you know here's how to live your life and you know i'm up in canada i can tell you that Canada's same thing like i've we my wife and i we spend a lot of time in canada for for the summer and most of canada is the same thing it's much more like california much more like new york and a lot of even a lot of Canadians are moving down to the U.S. And when they're moving to the U.S., they're moving south. They're not going to New York. They're not going to California. They're going to Florida, Texas, you know, the Tennessee. They're, they're going to the southern states. Interesting.
0: Uh, I guess uh, we'll see if that trend continues. Uh, before we wrap up, I always like to end with a hyper fast round if you're ready for some rapid fire Q&A.
1: Sure. Let's do it.
0: All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new investor?
1: (laughs) Uh, Biggest advice is don't be so hard on yourself. It's never going to be as you're never going to feel as smart as you appear and you're never going to be as dumb as you might look. So just take your time, work through the process and don't compare someone else's year 10 to your day one, because Mm. there's 10 years of wrinkles. There's 10 years of gray hair. Just try to enjoy the process.
0: What's a mistake that you see experienced investors make a lot?
1: Getting distracted mm. by other things and attributing your personal success in one area to your capacity to do something somewhere else. So I've personally fallen into this where you know you have some success, you make some money, six figures, seven figures, eight figures, whatever it is, and then you're like, yeah, OK, I can probably do that now too. And you abandoned the discipline and the things that made you successful for something shiny somewhere else.
0: What's the biggest mistake or challenge you've had in real estate? And how did you, how did (laughs) you overcome it?
1: (laughs) Exactly that, exactly that getting out of real estate. So there were times where I looked at businesses outside of real estate where the potential was exponentially more profitable, you know, and the time was condensed. So I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I I know business. I understand this. I understand that. It'll be the same thing. No, it's not. And the problem is that you get out of your element. I mean, look, Jordan was the best at basketball. He went to play baseball, and everyone was like, "Really, baseball?" Like, he was okay at it, but he wasn't. He was Jordan on the court. He was number whatever on the baseball field. So mm-hmm. you know, stay in your lane.
0: That's a good one. Uh, what would we find you doing when you're not working on your real estate business?
1: Uh I my 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 wife and I had a daughter about eight months ago. So that is any any answer I would have given you Dan prior to then would have been different. different. Today it's changing diapers, uh (laughs) wiping front to back because she's a girl and learning about all the different (laughs) learning about all the different nuances of being a first-time dad. So that that that's my life right now. When when I get a minute outside of that, I, I I lift some kettlebells here in the gym or i've got a a road bike that i that i bike on so
0: love it uh last one where do you see yourself 10 years from now
1: well 10 years from now i i think uh i think we're going to be living in a really different world uh compared to today i mean right now we're all getting used to the whole zoom world with the digital conferences i think 10 years from now you're going to have a lot more of the augmented reality virtual reality stuff so I, I think what I see myself is spending less time traveling and more time engaging with technology to teach and I mean imagine if everybody at home could put a headset on and engage with you mm. like they're in the office or they're with you on tour or on site or you know they're experiencing it as if it's real. I So for me I'm going to be putting a lot of money time and energy into transitioning my education and my platforms and everything I do into more of that type of a uh, environment and you know, that's going to include learning how to how to do things. I mean, I had to learn how to do Zoom. I, God help me. I was sitting there two years ago trying to figure out, you know, remember when Twitter first came out, you're trying to figure out how to tweet yeah. and direct message. So, you know, all of that stuff today is the Zoom thing. Tomorrow, I think it's going to be the augmented mm-hmm. reality thing. And watching somebody fumble around in their living room with a headset is going to be normal in a few years. And, you know, today it's uh, it's still kind of like, how does all this work? So... Um, I I think I want to learn how to, how to, how to get, teach more about real estate in the fake world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Marsan, thank you so much for being on the show today. If people want to connect with you or learn about your investment opportunities, how should they do that?
1: Sure. Yeah. My website, marstondros.com is the best website to go. And I think aside from, you know, because on the investment side, we, we do have plenty of investors and we're, we're quite competent there. But if people want to learn more about that, that, that's fine. Where where we can really add values, if people are trying to figure out how to raise capital and structure deals with our M1 Inner Circle, or training, we have some free resources there to show people how to start getting down the path of structuring themselves in a way where they could scale their own business. Um, I think that would be really helpful for any of your listeners that are, that are trying to scale as well.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today to all of our listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember to leave us some comments some feedback and share this episode with people that you think would benefit from it as well. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and go to hyperfastagent.com to learn about upcoming in-person and online events. And don't forget to share this show with someone that you think could benefit from hearing it. And make sure you subscribe on YouTube or anywhere that you can find podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests, and improve our shows, and so give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that video, and if you wanna see more, click right here. And if you want 100 real estate tips from my best-selling book, click right here to download them instantly. And if you're new to this channel, click below to subscribe